The message from God's word today from James chapter 3. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of our God. Let's bow our heads and ask God to bless us as he carries out a promise that he's already made to us, that wherever two or three come together in his name, there he is with us. And so Jesus is here with us and has promised to send us the counselor and the comforter through his word. Let your name be kept holy, God, Heavenly Father. Let your word be taught in its truth and purity. Let us as children of God, wrapped in Jesus' blood and righteousness, lead holy lives according to it. And let your kingdom come to us. All the trouble and the hardship that the devil, this world, and our own sinful flesh have brought, mold and inform it that your work and your will might be carried out, even through their attacks, as they become the tool, the handmaiden, the helper, for the power which is the gospel, the power that works faith into our hearts and strengthens us, brings us life and salvation. Come Holy Spirit. If you want the best advice, the most effective treatment plan, the best plan of action for your financial portfolio and outlook, where do you go? You go to the expert. Experts are big in our day and age, aren't they? You go to the ones who have had the most experience and knowledge, and usually they show it by putting some certificates on their wall, some kind of awards in their office somewhere, that perhaps they've led the cutting edge in research and have been at the top of their game for years and years, and it shows. They're on the best-selling book lists. They headline speaking engagements across the country, And they'll even be one of those pop-up heads on the News Channel interview lineup. Yeah, for the humans, though, naturally there's one fatal flaw. Prophet Hosea was right when he said, You see, he or she is puffed up. Puffed up. Arrogant. Knowledge puffs up, the Bible says. But love, it builds up. And in this case, the desires are not upright, is what the prophet Hosea says. And people at the top have an insatiable appetite to stay at the top. And they have an unholy ambition to get the most with the least amount of effort undertaken. They're looking at trying to gain notoriety. They're interested in name brands, but not actual results. Not the heart of the matter. There's a famous movie from a few years ago in which a young man of 20 or so is having some great emotional and psychological troubles to overcome from growing up in an abusive foster parent situation and bouncing around to different orphanages 
after having been abandoned by his biological parents from the start. And because of that, as a 20-year-old, he's aggressive. He's a fighter. He has no close, uh, intimate relationships. Of course, just his buddies, right, that he can trust. But he doesn't trust anyone else. And he's got a legal listing of crimes. He's got a rap sheet to his name. And he's done time. But he's a mathematics genius. Maybe that's giving away the movie and is discovered by the prestigious MIT Fields Medal winner. That man looks in, of course, where we would expect him to look, into the higher echelons of the psychology world, the Harvards and the Yales of the academic elite world, to help him. One by one, though, the so-called experts work with him and he chews through them with tactics to keep them away until the professor settles with a character played by Robin Williams, he's a favorite of mine, who had nothing to lose except take what this boy would give him and love him back to health. The character that Robin Williams played was viewed as a nobody. (coughs) But to this young man, Will Hunting, he can certainly um, say that he became someone. Sometimes Hollywood can capture some bits and pieces of evangelical spiritual dust and make a classic, but God the Holy Spirit deals with real people in real situations, and the natural instinct of each of us from our conception is simply to try to be somebody, to be somebody out there in the world, to be noticed, to be appreciated. And how do people most likely do that? They go to school, they work hard perhaps, They learn and they grow in experience. At least that's one of the ways. It's a common way, it seems like. And when those things don't satisfy, those things don't guarantee what it is that we want. The Apostle James, he says, what bubbles up inside of us is a bitter jealousy, a selfish ambition or rivalry that boils as unholy fuel to the top in order for people to get to the top and stay at the top. And that's not really how someone becomes somebody. We know that in the world, don't we? We can see that every day. And it actually hurts a lot of people. But most of all, it separates us from God. And it disqualifies us from the eternal life that he has given as the gift of faith. There was a lot of talk about wisdom in those days. And the Greeks were full of it. They're talking about why this happens or that. Groups would gather and just share ideas and thoughts about the abstract and why the world was the way it was or why people would act the way that they do. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul, if you remember, he went to one of those groups, the group that was at the Areopagus, and he shared Christ crucified and risen in response to the open invitation for the public to come and to share in this think tank. That's kind of what it was. But wisdom isn't just knowing a lot of stuff. It's being able to take what you know and apply it to certain situations. So wisdom requires experience, a knowledge or gnosis, G-N at the start. That's where we get the word know, K-N, kano. To know something or someone by experience of the circumstances into which Your knowledge might apply, and thereby you might share wisdom. People who know a lot were generally respected in those days among the Apostle James and the Greeks of those days, and they were held in high esteem. And what was true then isn't a whole lot different now. You're hired 
You reach levels of a high pay scale in our culture on the basis of what you know with a diploma and what experience you have had in the past that lends to your future outlook. Documents on the wall, medals of achievement or trophies, awards and successes make your wisdom more sought after, perhaps. But what is true in the world then and today is turned upside down on its huge bulbous head inside of Christ's kingdom. The Apostle James is addressing church people. He's talking to pastors and teachers called workers. He's talking about to the people that know better, who are always there, who are always around the word. And the disciples who were learning from Jesus in their seminary training were no different. Just think about that for a second. They were taken away to a special place to to learn from the Christ of heaven himself. And lost in all of this were their arguments along the way, which they were actually embarrassed to even tell Jesus the truth about what it was that they were arguing about because they were so petty. Were they things like, who knows the most? Among the future pastors, who can preach the best? Who can lead better than all else? Where are the thoughts of the needy? The needy of body and soul, whose hearts are broken how best they could serve. Their thoughts, however, were on being the greatest expert among the group. What is the reputation of the disciple that is going to lead to the top and and who by their obedient and holy life might have an angelic parade take them into heaven like Elijah had in the whirlwind? Who could imagine that? And they would argue bitterly about it and sometimes the rest of them in certain circumstances would even resent the ones who are so full of themselves. And how about us? How about you and me? Inside of Christ's kingdom, maybe we have this thought process in this sort of facade that we put on that I'm a Christian person and the church that I go to is synonymous with my name. Or I have had this church handed down to me from my parents and my grandparents and the generations that have been here before and that have now passed these things down to do the same things that they did a long time ago. And meanwhile, we miss the souls. We miss the hearts that are needed. We may return the place where we gather or the name of our visible church into a certain kind of historic museum of family history and line. Where are the people in our neighborhoods now? We're calling out, maybe not audibly to our ears, but that the Lord has put us together with. What about the lost? And our thought process is, as long as the church is here until I die and go to heaven... That's all I care about. Maybe there are pastors and their teachers that say, you know, my gifts that I can do this or I can do that inside of the kingdom better than everybody else, I should be the one doing them. The pastor that says, you know, I rule with a big stick. What I say goes and everybody ought to respect me. Everybody ought to honor me. No, not the office. 
James crushes us, and he has to. He has to take a needle and pop the gigantic balloon head that has become so puffed up that says, you know what, I'm really somebody in this kingdom because of all of the things that I can bring to it, and he's got to crush it down and pop it because he says, you know, that's wisdom that doesn't come from heaven. That stuff is earthly. That stuff is worldly. That's from demonic DNA. Yes, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me, and that's not how it works inside of a kingdom that has been built on humble and holy blood that was shed in order to save the world, even me. That's right, even you. You want to be somebody in the church? Do you? Somebody inside of Christ's kingdom? Well, Jesus Christ must rescue us. He must absolutely 100% rescue us and resuscitate us. And the good news is, is that he has, because Jesus Christ has worked peace between us and between our God, the way that our sins have separated us from God. Jesus has taken away the guilt of those sins by making peace with us. We could have never done it. We could have never and do not possess the ability ever to make peace with God because we're always in our sins. We're always in this flesh and blood because we're always falling short of the glory that God demands from us. But Jesus worked peace with us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He became our slave and hiding all of his glorious expertise and wisdom in our frail flesh and blood, he was lifted up to hell for us on the cross. His blood has counted as the lifeblood to cancel all our debt. And when Jesus died and was buried, so too, was our demonic and wicked DNA that is only interested in ourselves and what people will honor about us. All of that has been crucified dead in Christ. And God the Father was pleased with Jesus' patient suffering and his all-sufficient sacrifice and raised him from the dead in order that we too, we too today also through our baptism have risen with Christ. And Christ has risen inside us to rule our hearts by the peace that has canceled all our debt and covered us inside of Jesus' righteous and holy life. Jesus, the Prince of Heaven, had only one ambition, and it was not equality with God the Father in the glory that was rightly his, but to become nothing for us in order that we might be saved. That's it. And it was God the Father, not Jesus. God the Father, not Jesus, who exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess Jesus Christ Lord to the God's glory. It was God the Father who exalted Jesus, not Jesus. It is God the Holy Spirit that exalts Jesus, not him. Not Jesus. It's God the Holy Spirit who announces and praises Jesus, uses his words and works to create and pour forth into our hearts a faith that trusts and believes in him, that is willing and longs 
to humble ourselves underneath the Lord's mighty hand and in due time, not us, not you. We don't lift ourselves up. We don't make ourselves somebody in Christ's kingdom. In due time, he, God, will lift you up. And so we too have a right wisdom, a godly wisdom that has been breathed and has been birthed inside of our bodies, inside of our mind and our hearts. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. That's the only wisdom that's worth anything. You know how salvation comes to you. You know how salvation comes to other people, to the poor and to the needy, to the people that are brokenhearted because of their own sin, because of the sins of the world. You know how that works. And you know through whom it comes. God has made you wise for salvation in order to be able to touch people with peace, to work peace through forgiveness and sharing the good news in order for us to become the servant and the slave of all, the nobody, nobody to a world and yet somebody inside of Christ's kingdom. The Holy Spirit announces to the already overflowing heart of each of us that as we step out of Jesus' tomb with all of our wickedness and selfishness and sin, having been crucified in the cross dead, we rise clothed in Jesus' blood and righteousness with his new heart and mind transplanted into us. That out of the tomb now, we show wisdom that comes from above. It's like the rain and the snow and the sleet that come and they give the nutrients to the ground in order to grow plants. So the water, uh, the water of our hearts overflows to the small and the forgotten, the helpless and the needy, the brokenhearted, the frightened, and the one who is licking their wounds from living in this sinful world to work peace. And how does one work peace? By forgiving sin, holding no grudge, canceling debt to the undeserving because no one is deserving of forgiveness, neither us, the repentant, neither the belligerent. No one is, de- is deserving. No one is deserving of forgiveness. The minority or the multilingual and cultural here at home in the kingdom, that's what men and women together become less than all of them in order to say, welcome home, in order to serve them with the gospel of Jesus' wisdom that has made us wise for salvation through simple faith in Jesus' victory. We work peace. We work peace, as the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, the gruff, the hard-handed and headed, the tough men who work for a living, display their gentleness in the kingdom. They are somebody not because they are tough, but because they gently care for the fatherless and the widow, for the orphan and the cast-off by society. No, you know what? There are no experts in the kingdom that are putting up diplomas on their walls or showing off awards. There are no documentaries that are made about the experts inside of the kingdom because to the world, we're nobodies. The world has been crucified to us and we to the world, but inside the kingdom, you are somebody. You are somebody by your father in heaven somebody beloved. We have received a wisdom 
that is worth greater worth that has greater worth than gold. It comes down from heaven on the wings of eagles, teaching through the sacred and blessed biblical word, and we are pleased and content to be those nobodies that have been given everything in the foolishness of the cross of Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of the podcast entitled Thy Word is Truth. Simple word for simple hearts.